Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back. Happy Monday. Here on the Steel Curtain Network, brought to you by FansForSportsNetwork.com. I am Jeff Hartman, your host, and this is uh, this is another show. It's a Monday. It's not a victory Monday. Hell no, it's not a victory Monday. My gosh, for the last five days, uh, last week, five days, Steeler fans have been through it. We'll put it that way. And joining me this show, I'm really excited about is one coach KT Smith. We'll get KT in here in a second, but I want to touch on some news about the Steelers that happened over the weekend. In case you didn't notice, and maybe you just stuck your head in the sand. I don't blame you. I wish I could have done that. Alex Highsmith and TJ Water both in the concussion protocol, which is a lot of fun because now that means that they have to clear those protocols before they could be eligible to play this Saturday against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. And good news, though, is that Jalen Warren actually got a game check back after he was fined $48,000 for pass blocking. Uh, they appealed the fine and it got rescinded. And so he actually got a game check back. So good for Jalen Warren. That's your news information, what you need to know that you might have missed over the weekend. But, you know, let's bring in Coach, because I've always said that if there's certain things that I don't know about, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, like, oh, I, yeah, I know the X's and O's. I don't. Not like he does. So, Coach, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, Jeff. Uh, are you going to get a Medal of Badge of Courage award or something for, for doing these shows this week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> But no, seriously, like coach, the Steelers are in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot in a lot of different ways. I want to break this into two parts. The first part is the short term. I want to get your thoughts on what's happening right now with this team, where this team could be going, maybe trending in the in the wrong direction. And then we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about the long term in the second half. So make sure you all stay tuned for all that. But let's talk about the offense first. Coach, quarterback play. Quarterback play. We know Kenny Pickett's likely not to be back until week 17 at the earliest, maybe week 18. What, what, what's your stance on the Steelers quarter situation heading into this game against Indy? Well, obviously, 
Mitchell Trubisky didn't play very well against New England. I, I think as I really dive into the film, you see a couple of things. One, the Patriots were a step ahead of the Steelers all game long. Uh, the Steelers were running man beaters against zone coverages and zone beaters against man coverages. They they weren't able to diagnose what New England was going to be in. I mean, you know, Mike Sullivan uh, and Eddie Faulkner aren't the first two coaches that Bill Belichick has has flustered and confused. But that's just been a reoccurring theme for a while now. So whether the problem was was Matt Canada's play designs or the ability to prepare the quarterback for what they're going to see in a game, uh, that's now continued. You know, a lot of people have said, hey, it's uh, it was a Canada thing. And when you clear the slate, it'll improve. Uh, getting Mitchell Trubisky ready on a, to, on a short week to be able to, to go up against what New England does on defense is tough, but he was not well prepared. And, and for me, that just, that's a coaching issue. So that brings me to my next point is the coordination. Is this all because of Matt Canada's playbook or is this actually the fact that they don't have capable coaches that can get the team ready to go? Unfortunately, that's a really hard question to answer because there's not been any stability now in the transition with Pickett getting hurt. You look at all right, so you look at Pickett in the six quarters that he played under Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan. He was 31 out of 43 for 348 yards. Good numbers. Didn't score a lot of points, but looked a little bit more comfortable. But then he gets hurt, and now you have to prepare a new quarterback. Uh, what it looked like against New England was that the Steelers played very conservatively offensively because they believed that they would limit New England to, I don't know, I don't think they had a target number, but obviously not not very many points. They didn't think that they'd have to score a ton, so they played conservatively. Then they got down 21-3, and, and they had to scramble, and that really put them in a tough spot because now New, New England could get really creative on defense. Uh, I think the Steelers really just weren't able to figure out consistently what the Patriots were doing and dial up calls that would exploit that stuff. So. I do lean in the direction of it's more of a coaching thing than it is a player-based thing. We know who Mitchell Trubisky is. We know what he's going to do. Uh, but for Kenny Pickett's sake, I just don't think he's been properly prepared. You're a coach. You, you plan and you prepare with your team on a regular basis during the season. My question for you is when you look at the Steelers and sometimes they're unprepared ways, what is your take on this offensive coaching staff? We're not even talking about defense yet, just offense. Whether it's Pat Meyer in the offensive line, whether you're talking about Faulkner and his job with the running backs, doesn't matter. What are your thoughts on the Steelers coaching staff on the offensive side of the balls? I, I don't know this for a fact, but when I look at it, what I, what I feel like I'm looking at is a group that is not all on the same page together. I, you, you had read that Matt Canada was – you know, liked it to be a one-man show, that he wasn't exactly inclusive, that that there were times where whether he was shutting out the players or not taking feedback from his assistants, that, that it was very much on Canada. And when you look at what's happened the last three weeks since he's been gone, there there's a lot of those same mistakes that are that continue to transpire. Every time the Chooks of Korafor reports into the game as eligible, you hear the referee say number 76 is reporting as eligible. It's a five-yard penalty. Cringeworthy every time. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. They can't line up right whenever he comes into the game like that. And I don't know whose fault it is. I put something up on Twitter the other day where I circled 
both he and Allen Robinson being off the ball on the same you know side of the, of, of the line of scrimmage. That's that's the high school stuff, man. One of the, I don't know who's supposed to be on the line. One of those guys has to be on the line, and clearly they're both off. And that is not the first time that they've repeated that mistake. Uh, they repeat it over and over again. The the timeout that they had to call late in the game simply to call a quarterback sneak. I mean that that's that's really low level. Like you got to be prepared for that stuff. You got to know going in late in the game. We get fourth and short, man. We're doing this right, and and that doesn't that doesn't mandate a timeout. So I think that there's a level of unpreparedness that doesn't meet the standard of of what NFL coaching should be, and I think that goes back to Canada, and it hasn't in the three weeks since he's been gone been improved upon. The, the thing is, is you talk about like the the illegal formations, you talk about the timeouts. There are some people that might say, well, it was a short week. You know, it's a short week. Like they, they how they have Mitch Trubisky has Mitch Trubisky has been a starter in this league for a long time. This is not them throwing in a rookie. This is not a Devlin Duck Hodges situation where this guy is an undrafted rookie free agent being thrust into the limelight. This is not that. So I agree with you. I think I think that aspect of the coaching staff and the preparedness of this team is lacking. But my follow-up and final question before we go to the defense is can it be improved upon, or is this just what we're going to see for the rest of the year? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, the, I would feel a lot better about that question if Kenny Pickett were in the in the starting lineup because again now you're talking about the guy who's taking mo- almost all the snaps all year long and and who I, Mike Sullivan's worked with very very closely with Mitchell Trubisky. I I can't say I'm real optimistic. I just don't feel as though one uh, he's the guy. I mean I think we know who he is. Uh, and that he's a he's a player who who can do some decent things, but is going to make big mistakes and is going to give you in the inconsistency. And right now, that inconsistency is killing this offense. The, the Steelers need need to be able to hang their hat on something. It, it's been the run game over the last four or five weeks. In New England, you knew that they were going to take that away, and they did a good job of it. Uh, can, whether whether or not other teams can continue to to do so, take away Pittsburgh's run game and force them to be a little one dimensional. That'll be the key going forward. If they can do that, I don't feel optimistic. I don't think this passing game is going to evolve over the last three, four weeks of the season. Just not enough time, not enough reps, new quarterback, new coordinators, et cetera. So obviously Pittsburgh's got to hang their hat on that run game. They've got to be able to run the ball down the stretch and then create some opportunities in the passing game off of it. You know, I lied. I said I was going to ask one more. I, I've got another question about the offense because I feel like that's where the majority of the questions uh, reside right now as the Steelers prepare for the Indianapolis Colts in Week 15. You hear this from the national media, and you've even heard this from the local media, as it pertains to the skill on the offensive side of the ball. People say that this team has the skill to be good. They're just not putting it all together. It, it used to be the, the rallying cry for the Fire Matt Canada group. Um, then it turns into the rallying cry for they're a quarterback away group. When you think about the skill position players, we're talking Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, running back, Pat Fryer, meet the tight end, Pickens, uh, Deontay Johnson. Are they really that good or are they overrated? Do we overrate our own, our own players as fans? That's a great question. I feel, and this is a really hard thing for me to say as a coach, because uh, I have tremendous respect for all, any coach that's that's made it to the NFL. They, they they could coach circles around me, all of them, you know, and I fully acknowledge that. Um, so it's it's hard to say a thing like this, but when I look at the Steelers' skill players, they look undercoached. They look, they don't run crisp routes. They don't. There's no sense of urgency. 
when, on the interception that Mitch Trubisky threw uh, in the second quarter that led to New England's second touchdown, they ran a four verticals concept against the cover two look, which is not an ideal route to run against cover two. But Pat Fryermuth, when he releases up the seam, he gets uh, he gets a, a guy jamming him underneath, and then he gets a safety over the top. He just gives up on the route, like he just he. It, it's almost like he realized I'm not going to be open here, and and Mitch shouldn't throw me the ball because I'm not open. But rather than continue up the field and try to work into a hole or some some sort of open space, he just kind of gave up on the route. And Trubisky threw it to him anyway, and the safety picked it. And you see that a lot, man. You see a lot of guys who are either not running crisp routes, running the wrong routes. Uh, not finishing their routes, whatever it might be. And for me, that that falls back on coaching. What you're doing uh, on the weekdays, what you're doing in practice, what you're doing on the day-to-day, that's what you're going to do in the game. And so I just don't feel like the details are being addressed. Okay, let's go to the de- – I could spend an entire hour on the offense, but let's go to the <laughs> defense because no one wants to just hear that doom and gloom. The injuries on the defensive side have been crippling, especially the yep. inside linebacker. You're talking about – they had the three-headed monster, that three-inside linebacker look of a Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, and Quan Alexander entering the regular season. Two-thirds of those are gone, and the Landon Roberts is hampered by a groin injury. And so you have this mixed bag of goods at inside linebacker. But outside of the injuries, what are your thoughts on some of the young players the Steelers have on the defensive side of the ball? And when I say young players, I'm talking about mainly the rookies, Joey Porter Jr., Nick Herbig, Keanu Benton primarily. Uh, what are your thoughts on those players and, and where they could be going here in the final weeks of the regular season? My thoughts are that those are three home runs right there. Yeah. Joey Porter Jr. is playing like a lockdown corner already in the NFL. And, I mean, he, he's playing with such confidence. You can see it in his patience. Like when, I, when I watch corners and they, and they uh, get up in press or even if they're just kind of playing a loose man, the longer that they – sit at the line of scrimmage when the receiver starts to do, you know, all the <laughs> the little Michael Jackson dance moves that receivers like to, <laughs> like to do at the line of scrimmage. The more patient you are, that tells me uh, a lot about your confidence, that you that you feel confident enough that you can you can wait until that receiver commits for you to, to commit as well. Uh, one of the big mistakes young corners make is that receiver jabs outside and boom, that corner jumps outside right away because he's afraid that he's going to get beat on a speed release. And then the receiver, you know, counters and beats him back inside. You don't see that with Joey Porter, man. He is patient as patient can be. He's long and he's physical and he trusts his ability to get his hands on guys. And and, and he just is confident. And I love that so much. So he's he's an absolute steal with where they got him. Uh, Keanu Benton, same deal, man. I've been saying he's Stefan to it 2.0 and, and he may wind up being better because wow. uh, he gets better every week. He's, he's getting to the point now where he's almost, I'm, I'm not going to get crazy and say unblockable, but he's really hard to block one-on-one. He plays with such good leverage. His pads are below the pads of the offensive line than almost every every snap. And low man wins in football. So obviously, you know, he, I think he's going to be a guy who will be a, a, a full, full-blown full starter next season. And obviously what you see from Herbig situationally is very encouraging. So yes, I love those three young guys. So, I think that one of the questions that I have is when you think about how this defense was constructed, it, it was never supposed to be the early 2000s, like the 2008 defense. It was going to just stymie everything that you're trying to do. It was almost this bend, don't break style, and they were going to get the ball back. They were going to get those takeaways. Well, those have kind of dried up. 
So my question to you, Coach, is from the film that you've watched, is there something opponents are doing that is minimizing? We know that, obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick missed about four games, so that's going to hurt your takeaways. But, man, they're just not getting the takeaways they were earlier in the season. Are you seeing anything that could cor- correlate to that? Uh, just, I think there's a concerted effort to get the ball out quickly with the Steelers' pass rush. Yeah. And and they're, they're, the Steelers aren't giving up big shot plays down the field. Uh, I think just think the injuries at the linebacker position have been devastating and teams are exploiting that stuff with the short passing game in the middle of the field. It just, it's just really tough. I mean, New England, again, you know, you knew that that whatever weakness that they could identify, they were going to find it. And they really picked on the Steelers linebackers in coverage and Tristan Thompson, the young safety in coverage. And I think that, that those are safer throws. Uh, the they're not attacking Joey Porter Jr. I mean, and Patrick Peterson teams aren't really going at him instead that they've, they've found the weaknesses elsewhere. So I think that that's minimized the turnovers. Then you just like, you know, turnovers are, are, I don't want to say random, but a lot of times it's the tip ball, the, the, you know, the ricochet, the carom, those types of things. Sometimes they go in your favor. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Michael Walker <laughs> against the Patriots, the tip yeah, ball by exactly. Landon Roberts. He gets, it takes it into the red zone. No points, but anyways, we're not going to go there. Let's let's the Ben don't break style. Though. That's that's also the calling card of the Steelers defense. It's almost if Mike Tomlin said, hey, here's what's going to happen. We're we're going to let him move the ball. We don't care. We're just going to keep him out of the end zone. Well, the last two games, that hasn't been the case. You know, you talk about the first half, 21 points to Bailey Zappi and that ragtag crew of New England Patriots, Hunter Henry having his way, Juju Smith-Schuster having a big game. Is that style sustainable with what the Steelers have now? And is there anything they can do to try and rectify the situation? Yeah. Well, when the pass rush doesn't get home, no matter who's on the field for the Steelers, we've seen them struggle. And obviously against New England, first play of the game, T.J. Watt takes that hit, which which certainly hampered him the rest of the game. And then Highsmith has to leave the game. Uh, And I I think the Patriots felt fairly comfortable from that point forward that they could protect. And that gave Bailey Zappi the ability to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions. And he didn't really have to feel under duress that often. And I don't care what style you're playing. When, when that's the situation, you got problems defensively. So if, if Highsmith and Watt are, are limited heading into Saturday's game in Indianapolis, it's going to be a similar problem. They're just not, in, they're not, the bodies aren't there to create the answers. That's not very positive, Coach. I don't like that. <laughs> I can lie to you. You want me to lie to you? <laughs> no. No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay, so we talked about what's happening this upcoming week. We're going to take a quick break. After this word from our sponsors, when we come back. We're going to talk about some really tough topics, and that is long-term, where the Steelers go from here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half. Thanks for sticking around. I got Coach KT Smith with me. Listen, if you like this dialogue back and forth, I do want to direct you to some of the content we're doing for the Fans First Sports Network NFL feed. You can find that anywhere where you get your podcasts just by searching FFSN space NFL, and you will find not just our, myself and Coach Coach Smith, on the NFL Whip Around. you also hear his call sheet podcast last week. He, he he gave me a shout out because of my conspiracy theories towards the officiating, which I love to hear. Coach, do you want to plug your call sheet or anything that you're doing over there? Yeah, well, I'm working uh, right now on a video breakdown for our SCN YouTube channel on yeah. the New England game. And I think it's, you know, I, I again, I, some fans might just say, I'm not going to watch that. That's garbage. Uh, they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. But you learn, you learn so much, man. You learn so much about why things aren't going well when you really dive in and you look at things. And, and some of obviously what I'm learning is, is uh, are things I'm talking about right now. And, and, and you, and the one encouraging thing I will say is this, when when you dig into the film, you realize that it's, it's fixable stuff. I don't know if they can fix it this year. I don't know if they can fix it with, with this coaching staff, but it's not like the Steelers are being, just outgunned or outmanned or being pushed around, you know, like it's not that they're being physically dominated. It's that they don't have the right answers right now, uh, which is obviously a nice segue into what you want to talk about uh, on in this, in this yeah. segment. But anyway, yeah. that's what we get into a little bit in that video breakdown. Yeah. So check out that in, in case you're like, how do I find it? Well, you can go to YouTube and search steel curtain network. You'll find our YouTube channel. You can subscribe and you'll, be sure to get a notification when that goes live. Or if you follow me on Twitter or coach on Twitter, we'll give you those at the end. Uh, you can obviously find it. We'll retweet it. The steel curtain network will re we'll tweet it out as well. I'll probably write an article about it. So there you go. But let's talk about the really, really difficult aspect of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that is long-term. Where does this team go from here? And you cannot, you cannot talk about anywhere. You have to start with the head coach and it, Everyone has a different opinion of Mike Tomlin. The national media loves him. They don't see him on the day-to-day. They they hear the sound bites. They they might see him when, let's say, you know, he meets with them before a primetime game or in the offseason or training camp. He, hey, the dude's a wordsmith. He's a great interview. But the people that cover him locally see a lot of things wrong with the Steelers. Now, my question, Coach, is two, two-sided, twofold. What do you think will happen? And what would you like to happen as it pertains to Mike Tomlin's future? Which, by the way, he did not get a contract extension this past offseason. So 2024 is the last year of his current contract, just so you know. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'd be shocked if the Steelers fired him. If over the, the last four weeks of the season, it, it continues to be a train wreck and a downward spiral, then perhaps... There would be some some consideration there, but I, I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if they moved on from Mike Tomlin. What I would like to see happen is for the Steelers to to really invest in the assistant coaching staff in the offseason. I just don't think that they've got guys around Mike Tomlin right now who are both a uh, good enough to be able to develop the young players on this team. I think they need some better teachers, uh, and b the, the I see the biggest weakness in this Pittsburgh team under Mike Tomlin right now as a team that has has stopped emphasizing the details. And I know that when, when you've been doing it for a long time, you can kind of get away from some of the little things that you do when you're a younger coach. You know, when you're a younger coach, you you you're so detail oriented, just so attention to detail 
uh, focused because you recognize that every little thing falls on you. And the further you get away from the longer you go, you, you, you start to think a little bit like, well, our guys know this. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a great culture here in Pittsburgh. Everybody gets the culture. Well, the, the culture is only like what it is because you enforce it on a day-to-day basis. Like when Micah Fitzpatrick said, some of the guys in this locker room think that because you put on this uniform and you show up, you're going to win games. He, I think he was referring to like the culture has slipped here. That we are not reinforcing on a day-to-day basis the things that made the Pittsburgh Steelers great. And that's on the head coach. So it, unless Mike Tomlin goes back and tightens those things up, it's not going to be successful. Going back to Minka, I think back in the uh, preseason, I, do you remember the locker room situation where people were walking all over the logo and he kind of got those uh, partitions and put them around it and said, don't step on the logo. And everyone was like, oh, People kind of picked, made fun of him a little bit. Like TJ Watt poked fun of him. Cam Hayward did. And I get it. That's all just kind of ribbing. Mika cares. Like he cares about this organization. He cares about this team. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was all about that because I love that type of stuff. That shows like unity. You care. Like the, you are invested. And so when, when they kind of got poo pooed by the team, and I think even Tomlin kind of joked about it, I was like, you're, you're literally taking this guy that's doing something which, you know, like the hockey teams, oh my gosh, like the Penguins, you don't step on their logo in, in their in their room. Media, no one. Like you don't step on the logo, you walk around it. But I don't know. I, Minka's a different, be- he's a different breed. It's almost like he was born to play at a different era back when guys were like all in. But do so you think Mike Tomlin stays? Let me ask you this quick question, which is completely, this is not any insider information. Let's say a team goes to Pittsburgh and says, we want to trade. Trades do happen. And they have traded for coaches before. I think the last trade, well, they had to trade. Uh, the Denver Broncos had to give some stock to the Saints for Sean Payton. Was that a first round pick? Yeah, they gave. Yeah, they gave a first round pick for Payton. Yep. Okay, so even if Mike Tomlin resigns or steps away, they still have one year of control over him. And so if he comes back, they'd have to negotiate a deal, I believe. But still, um, let's say a team wants to trade for your head coach. Are you entertaining that? No. <laughs> no. Here's why. Who, who are you going to hire? Like, right? Who, who, who are you going to hire? Right? I mean, right now the Steelers 100% need a new offensive coordinator and, and, and they may need a, a bigger, bigger than that. They may need to hire you know, a whole new offensive staff. And you're going to compound that by like trying Yeah, I, how you can't but, do that. But do, you, but do you trust Mike Tom to make those calls or Art Rooney, whoever's making the calls, you know, no one really knows, but do you trust these guys to make the right decisions after the track record that they have? As long as they don't promote from within, they can't promote from within. No disrespect to Eddie Faulkner or Mike Sullivan, but but three weeks is a small sample size. But I don't think that they're going to be able to change this team in any radical fashion. I don't think that they're the, the, the problems that we saw under Matt Canada have continued over the last three weeks. Again, it's a small sample size, but. You would like to see, like, like if, if you're if you're taking over the offense in Pittsburgh, and you've just been through the Canada era, the one thing you want to see more than anything else is is like you want to see the sense of urgency and attention to details that eliminates the dead plays, the pre-snap penalties, the sloppy mentality. It's all continued. So, I you know I I, I can't they they can't promote from within. So you do trust Mike Tomlin to hire a capable offensive coaching staff if he's allowed to go outside and not just promote from within. You do trust him in that regard. 
I don't know if I trust him, but I don't trust the Steelers to, to make a head coaching change and then get all that other stuff right. That's too much for me. Yeah. Well, here, here's my concern with everyone that says, get rid of Tomlin. My, he, while I understand that and I could actually get behind it in some situations, my question is what happens to the front office? Because believe it or not, I have loved what Omar Khan and Andy Weedle have done in their short time as a tandem as GM and assistant GM. Me too. Yes, general managers have been retained and head coaches have gone, but most of the time a head coach is going to want uh, his own guy. So that's where my concern is, is that if they do let go of Mike Tomlin, so you just said you do, you like what you've seen from Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, correct? 100%. I think that they're building the Steelers in the, in the, in the, the right fashion uh, for how this team needs to be built from the inside out. That's yeah. going to, that's the Steelers identity. That's really, I think where they have the best chance to succeed. They're not going to morph into the Kansas city chiefs or the Miami dolphins. I think their approach is, is the right one. And now I think they got to find the right coaching staff. Now, I, I, I think that that, that thing right there that we just said, and I'm pretty sure that Art Rooney likes them as well because he sees the, the most recent draft class, which we spoke about in the first half, tremendous stuff. That's probably one of the reasons why I think Mike Tomlin stays, but, we talked about the offensive coordinator position. What about the defensive coordinator position? Terrell Austin is a guy that doesn't really get any attention, meaning everyone hates the offensive coordinator. And when the defense gives up touchdowns and not field goals, no one really turns ahead and, and gets the torches and pitchforks and is storming the, the doors of the UPMC sports complex in Pittsburgh and the South side wanting Terrell Austin fired. What is your take on the defensive coordinator? And do you think the Steelers should go into an off season and say, we're replacing both? No, I, I think the defense, while, while they can be frustrating at times because people don't like that bend-but-don't-break mentality. They give up yards. They, why, why is the middle of the field always open in the passing game, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah? The defense has kept the Steelers afloat for the last two years, really. I mean, with, imagine if the defense had been subpar, how bad it would have been for an offense that averaged 18 points a game last year and is now averaging 15 points a game this year. Oh, and yet... <laughs> Over their last, whatever, 20-some games, they're like 14 and 8. You know, like, yeah. that's, you know. So, and Mike Tomlin is obviously heavily involved in the defense. And we may see some erosion in their play over the next couple of weeks. But how can we not? Half of their starting lineup is out. So, so it's very difficult for me to come down too hard on the defense. Okay. I trust you. That last question, which is probably paramount in a lot of fans' minds, maybe only secondary to the Mike Tomlin discussion, is quarterback. Yeah. And that is where did the Steelers go with the quarterback position? Mason Rudolph is probably gone. Well, he'll be a free agent again, whether he chooses to come back, who knows? He hit, he hit free agency last year. No one wanted him. So he comes back as the QB three. Mitch Trubisky's under contract. Most people believe he'll be released for salary cap purposes. What do the Steelers do in this off season at the quarterback position? Kenny Pickett's going to be back, but do you bring in competition like legitimate competition? Or do you just say, we're going to give him another year? Well, Trubisky's got one more year, right? He's under contract one more year. Yeah, but they redid that contract. A lot of people are assuming he's going to be a, a cap casualty. I have to look at the numbers, but he could be back. He could be, absolutely. I would absolutely look for a veteran who's got some pedigree, back end of the career, maybe a Ryan Tannehill, somebody like that who, who can help mentor Kenny Pickett if he's willing to accept that role. More so... I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you a name. If, if, if I were the Steelers, here's a guy I would really go hard after as the offensive coordinator, 
Wes Phillips in Minnesota. He is he he uh, he has the title of offense coordinator in Minnesota right now, but he's not the play caller. Kevin O'Connell's the play caller. Anybody who's the OC wants to be the play caller, and so I would go hard after him. It maybe he maybe he'll see it as a lateral move, but but the dangling the carrot of also being able to call the plays, hopefully get incentivizing him with a contract that is attractive. Uh, I think is he's a guy to really consider because one, I think he's done a great job helping work with Kirk Cousins and everybody talks about Kenny Pickett being Kirk Cousins like. I think you're talking about a guy who would understand Kenny Pickett's skill set and what to do with him. Two, uh in the you know when Josh Dobbs got there, he did a phenomenal job of preparing him on on short notice to be able to get in there and 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 hold down the fort, etc. I think he he understands the modern passing game. Which Minnesota, you know, their passing game's efficient, uh, and and I think that their offense is constructed somewhat similarly to Pittsburgh's, where they've always had a strong run game and been able to to work the passing game off of it. I think that the Minnesota offense is really kind of like where Pittsburgh aspires to be, a top ten offense with a game manager at quarterback and a strong run game, and he's been the architect of that. Would he, you know? take the the uh the off offer in Pittsburgh if it included play calling duties. Would the Steelers go after Kirk Cousins too? <laughs> I don't know. I don't that's got a big price tag, right? You know, I don't package think so. deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you get your quarterback. <laughs> Boy, the, that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. That's a good name. But people have asked me all the time, like Jeff, what what's a name? Give me a name for an OC next year and I got nothing. So this this is a good one. Everyone that's been asking me for a name, coach just gave you a name. There you go. What is his name? Phillips? West, West Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Okay. OC, but not the play caller quarterback coach in Minnesota. Is there anyone else that sparks your interest as a potential option at, the, at OC next year? Not Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> <laughs> so I ever has a Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. I, no, no. Kenny Pickett's not an air raid quarterback. So, uh, well, but see, these people that have these thoughts, like they they would hear Phillips, they think, oh, they're just going to go get Kirk Cousins. They would hear Cliff Kingsbury, like, oh, they'll just go and trade for, uh, oh, the the little guy, Kyler Murray. Murray? That just yeah. Came by. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but there is a salary cap. Okay, very good. The the answer to the question is where do the Steelers go from here? Who the hell knows? We'll see. We, we got to see how this year finishes out. If the Steelers win three out of four, I think we're, the Steelers could be looking at a playoff berth, and everyone's going to be feeling better about. Mike Tomlin's future. Who knows if they flounder down the stretch? We'll see. We'll be here every step of the way here, coach tomorrow morning, Tuesday with Brian Davis on the, here we go. The Steelers show, but coach, do you have anything to tease on the, uh, well, tell people where they can find you on Twitter also, but with the call sheet coming up this week, your podcast, anything you have on the docket? Yeah. Well, at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at KT Smith, FFS. And, uh, I, I haven't gotten too deep into the call sheet yet. It's uh, We're going to wait to see exactly how everything plays out on Sunday, but it's episode 35, and I always do a player profile. And my player profile is going to be, uh, you know, it's always on a guy who wore that number, and it's going to be on Dan the Nigerian Crider. Nightmare. Oh, Christian I thought Okoye. you were going to go Dan Kreider. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not going Dan Kreider, but I loved, I loved Christian Okoye. He's got a great backstory, so we're going to yeah. sort of tell his backstory as to how he, he arrived in the NFL. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Well, Coach, I'm going to be talking to you on Tuesday morning on our NFL feed for the NFL Whip Round. I always look forward to that show. Thank you for taking the time. I do appreciate it. For all my Ride or Die crew out there, you know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. And a great start to your week. We'll see you all.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.